Um, listen, my name is Gavin. I'm one of the leaders here. If anyone doesn't know me, uh, if you're relatively new, I'm one of the leaders at Jubilee. And this morning, we're going to be continuing a series that we've been doing in the Gospel of Matthew in the Bible. All right. And just to say, okay, a few people have said to me over the last couple of weeks, Gavin, you've not preached this verse or you've not preached this particular story out of the book of Matthew. And uh, I've got in trouble a couple of times. And just to say, one, thank you for listening. I'm glad that you guys are listening. And two, just to say we're not going through Matthew's gospel line by line like we maybe sometimes would. We're actually picking out the highlights of this book and going through it, all right? So we're not going through line by line. If we did have sermons where we spoke on every single verse in Matthew, I'd be here for five hours and you wouldn't get your Sunday lunch. And you don't want that, do you? (laughs) So we're picking out some highlights of Matthew's gospel. And this morning, we're going to be continuing with a little theme about the topic of doubt, all right? And God is good because a few months ago, I wrote about this very topic in one of our Jubilee blogs, do you guys know we've got a blog? I don't know if anyone reads it. Simon sent me this article he'd seen on Twitter and it said, pastor spends four hours writing blog that only his wife reads. That's how it feels to me sometimes. But um, we have these elders' letters that we send out every few, uh, every month. And I wrote one a few months back that said, Jesus, I have my doubts. And it was talking about what we do when we have those questions for God, those moments when we doubt what God is doing. And that's our theme this morning. We're going to be looking at a little story in Matthew 11 about someone who has doubts, who has questions, who's struggling in their faith, and we see what Jesus' response is. So if you've got your Bible, please open it to Matthew 11, and the words are going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to start at verse 1. So after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So here we have this fascinating little exchange where we hear from John the Baptist. Do you guys remember John the Baptist? We heard about him a few uh, months back. The prophet who came to prepare the way for Jesus. The one who came to prepare the way for Jesus. And he was a bit of a quirky guy. He lived in the wilderness and he ate locusts and honey and dressed in camel's hair. So a bit of an odd guy, but he was an amazing man of God nonetheless. And he was actually Jesus' second cousin. So you might remember this story. It's out with a Christmas story where Mary's cousin Elizabeth is pregnant at the same time. Do you guys know this story? And the two pregnant ladies meet up and the baby leaps in uh, his, his mum's womb when he sees baby Jesus in his mum's womb. So this was a man of God. As a guy who baptised Jesus in the River Jordan. This was a real man of God, a faithful man. He led many people to repentance. So then what we find in this story might be a little bit surprising, knowing what we know about John the Baptist. See, now we have this man of God in prison, doubting whether Jesus really is the Messiah. This man who was used powerful, powerfully by God is in prison. He's surrounded by his prison walls and he's saying, is this man really the Messiah? 
John had been put in prison for preaching out against King Herod and what King Herod had been up to. King Herod left his wife, divorced his wife, to um, get married to his brother's wife, his sister-in-law. So he'd been a bit of a naughty boy, and John the Baptist spoke out against that. And because of that, King Herod put him in prison. It's a really interesting story. But I want to really unpack it today to try and look at what we should do as Christians when we have doubts, when we have questions. Because believe me, there's going to be times when your faith is shaken. There's going to be times when you question what God is doing. As Portia shared this morning, there's going to be times when it feels like God has led us into the wilderness There'll be times when you question whether God's with you at all. There'll be times when you pray for healing and nothing happens. There'll be times when you're praying to God and you're hearing nothing. We are going to face doubts. Doubts are to be expected. As a great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, once said, no man is a true believer who has not first been a doubter. We're going to face doubts. And this morning I've got just three points for three stages of dealing with doubts doubts, a three-stage approach to this, okay? First of all, we've got wrestling with faith. Second of all, we've got reasoning through faith. And finally, we've got remaining in faith, okay? Those are three points this morning. So first of all, wrestling with faith. What we see in this story here is John the Baptist dealing with the realization that Jesus wasn't living up to his expectations of a Messiah, Obviously, John had prepared the way for Jesus. He'd preached to a whole load of people and got him to turn away from the old lives and be prepared for Jesus. So John was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. He was convinced that a Messiah was coming, but the problem is that he had his own expectations of what this Messiah would look like. John had his own expectations of what this Messiah would be like, and Jesus wasn't living up to them. John's expectations hadn't been matched, and this led him to doubts and questions. You see, in John's head, um, he had his own ideas what Jesus would be like. He was expecting the Messiah to sweep in and bring judgment. He'd have been familiar with passages like Isaiah 35, which says, God will come with vengeance and divine retribution to come and save us. He would have expected this Messiah to bring vengeance and freedom for the Jewish people. He was waiting for a Messiah to bring restoration. And what did he find? He found Jesus performing miracles, hanging out with sinners, opening blind eyes, feeding people, teaching in parables. John's expectations weren't being met by Jesus. Who's ever felt like that before? Joe, of course, what's really funny is that very Isaiah 35 prophecy that I mentioned, a few verses later, does actually say that the eyes of the blind will be opened and deaf ears will be unstopped and lame people will leap like deers. So Jesus was the one who was being prophesied about, but John's experience at the time didn't match up to that. And on the face of it, it's a bit strange, but I bet we've all felt like that when it comes to Jesus. Have you ever had that experience where Jesus is working in a way that you weren't expecting? You feel like you've been faithful to God in something and it hasn't worked out as you expected. You feel like a situation's gone exactly the opposite of the way you wanted it to. I felt like that loads of times. You know, I remember years ago, I was only 18 at the time, I'd got this place on a university degree to study youth work and theology. And as part of my degree, I needed a placement in a church. And I prayed about it. I was, a, I was only 18 at the time, but I prayed. I said, Lord, where do you want me to be? 
And I felt God clearly say, I want you to be in the northeast of England because it's the best place in England, right? I felt God say, I want you to be in the northeast of England. So I went and I wrote to a whole load of churches. I went to a whole load of interviews, a whole load of lunches with lovely church leaders, and every single door was closed. And I was saying, God, what are you doing? I am being faithful to you because if I needed a placement, I can go and get loads down south. There's loads need at the university, but I think you've called me to be up north. So what are you doing? Why are these doors closed? God wasn't meeting up to my expectations. And I remember being so frustrated. And so in the end, it worked out, but not in the way I wanted it to. This is a common thing. Sometimes we have doubts because God isn't acting in the way that we expect. But similarly to John the Baptist in this story, maybe we need to change our expectations of God and look closer at what he's actually doing. Because when we come to God with our expectations, nine times out of ten, they're too small anyway, aren't they? God can work in ways that we can't ever imagine. He can work through the most unexplained situation, but he wants us to trust him and come away from our own expectations. I spoke about this a few weeks ago, didn't I? Um, Jesus knows what we need better than we do. He knows what we need better than we do, and he works in ways that are sometimes outside of our understanding. You need to hear that this morning. So you think about John for a second, John the Baptist, all right? He was expecting the Messiah to bring freedom, to bring restoration, to set captives free. And that's exactly what Jesus does, does doesn't he? That's exactly what Jesus does. He, he frees people. He brings freedom. But he does it in a different way. He had to do it by sacrificing himself on a cross so that we can have that ongoing loving relationship with God. Jesus did what John was expecting, but he did it in a way that he wasn't expecting. On the face of it, his expectations weren't being met, but, if, uh, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus was working in the most amazing way. He was going to exceed his expectations in the most glorious way. And he still does that today. Look, when it comes to dealing with our doubts and our questions, you've got to wrestle with faith. You've got to expect that sometimes God's not working in the way that you expect. Check this out. This is Isaiah 55, 8. This is God, it's God speaking. He says, your thoughts, uh, for, for, sorry, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. That's God speaking. Yo, you might be thinking, God, what's going on? Like, have you left me? Am I on my own in this? You might be thinking, you might have come this morning thinking, where's God? Like, I'm dragging myself along to church this morning, but I don't feel God. I don't feel close to him. That's a normal reaction. But let me tell you, if you're feeling like that this morning, be encouraged to wrestle with faith and approach your situation with eyes of faith. Because when you do that, you'll see God working. You will. When you change your expectations, you'll see God working. That's what we learned from John the Baptist here. See, he heard about the deeds of Jesus and he wasn't sure. He was like, is this guy really the Messiah? But what does he do? In faith, he sends his disciples to go and ask, is this the Messiah? Is this really him? I don't understand what's going on, but I trust enough to seek him. I trust enough to go to Jesus. Because John knew that sitting in his prison cell, festering on his doubts, wasn't going to help him. He knew that he had to wrestle with faith and go and seek Jesus. Listen, when you face doubts, when you face questions... When it feels like God's not working in your life, you don't turn away from Jesus, you turn to him, don't you? You turn to him, that's what you do. 
That's a lesson that we see. We wrestle with faith. Second thing we see in this passage, and this is Jesus doing Jesus things, giving some really good advice. He says we wrestle with faith first, and then we reason through faith. All right, see, John's disciples go to Jesus, and Jesus says, report back to John and tell him what you see. Let me just read to you what he says. Let me read the verse. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. See what Jesus says? He doesn't give John's um, disciples a big speech to go back with. He doesn't say, right, here's a hundred reasons why I am the Messiah. Go and tell that to John. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't try, and to, com- he doesn't try to convince them. He says, no, no, use common sense. Open your eyes. Reason through faith. What are you seeing? You're seeing blind eyes open, people walking, deaf people hearing, dead being raised, good news proclaimed to the poor. What does all that look like? A Messiah, right? That's what he's saying. It's the most simple solution. He's saying, I don't need to convince you. Just open your eyes and look at what I'm doing. Use common sense. You can't argue with that, can you? Reason through faith. And I absolutely love that because when it comes to dealing with doubts in your faith, What I want you to do is look at the reasonable evidence that you see in your own life. Let me go a bit further with this, okay? I'll give you a a kind of an example here, a fictitious example. Maybe you've been asking God for healing. Maybe you've got a long-term health issue and you've been praying for a long time. You've saying, God, I, I, I need you to heal me and God's not done anything. And now you've got your doubts and you're thinking, God, why aren't you healing me? It's totally understandable. I get that. I, I really do. But following Jesus' advice and, um, and reasoning through faith would look like this. It would be looking around you and trying to answer the question, does God perform miracles? So what might you do? Well, you might go to the Bible, right? That's a good place to start. So you go to the Bible and you look at that and you see loads of miracles in there, don't you? You see God healing loads of people. You see God bringing healing loads of times. So yes, God can heal. It's in his character to heal but you're still not convinced. So what do you do next? Okay, you speak to other Christians. And you hear other Christians, and you hear loads and loads of stories about God healing, don't you? You hear loads of testimonies. We heard one this morning about God healing. You can, you can go on YouTube and watch videos of people talking about what God's done. In his very church, you can hear testimonies of God healing people. So yes, God must still be in the business of miracles, right? But you're still not convinced. So you continue to reason. You look at your own life, and you think, well, what was I like before I knew Jesus? And what am I like now? Like, I think about myself, like, I was this shy, unconfident, angry, bitter young man. And I look at my life now, and I think, do you know what? God must be in the business of miracles because I couldn't turn this around on my own. You look at your own life, and you see the miracles in there. You know, Albert Einstein famously said, he said, there are two ways to live your life. One, as though nothing is a miracle, and the other, as though everything is a miracle. And do you know what? I think our faith needs to be a little bit like that. We need to look for the miracles in the day-to-day that we see. All right, so with all of that evidence, okay, I'm convinced that God performs miracles. He can do it. So even though I've got my doubts, what do I do? I keep trusting God, and I cling to him. Even though on the face of it, it isn't happening, even though he's not healing me, I cling to him, and I trust him in the knowledge that one day, one day I'll be able to to, to ask him face to face and I'll get the perfect answer. 
But until then, I keep clinging to God because I'm convinced that he does perform miracles. Do you see that? That's what reasoning through faith looks like. And that's what Jesus is encouraging us to do when we've got doubts and questions about God. Reason through faith. Yes, it's natural to have doubts and questions. Pete Gregg, one of the most influential Christian authors in the world at the moment, he says this, he says, um, you don't kiss your brains goodbye when you become a Christian. God isn't going to get insecure if you have a few sensible questions to ask him. It's true, isn't it? We see it in the Bible. Like, what about Doubting Thomas? You all know Doubting Thomas, right? Guess what he did? Did he believe or did he doubt? He's not called Thomas a believer, is he? He's called Thomas a doubter. He doubted Jesus. Jesus came back from the dead and, and he was like, did that really happen? What about this one? What about Jesus in the garden the night before his crucifixion? What does he pray? God, is there another way? God, is this the only way? He's questioning. He's wrestling with God. Do you know what? It's natural to have those moments. But Jesus tells us what to do. We reason through faith. Listen, the final stage of dealing with doubt is to remain in faith. So if we go back to our passage, Matthew 11, you might need your Bibles out for this. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, come and see me at the end. I'll give you a Bible. If you do have a Bible, bring it to church, all right? We've been through this, guys. Bring your Bible to church. Okay, open it to uh, Matthew 11, okay? See, what we see is Jesus speaking to John's disciples. And then as they're leaving, Jesus goes on to talk a little bit more about John the Baptist. And he's really complimentary about him, isn't he? He says some really good things. He says, this guy isn't uh, just a prophet. This is, uh, he's not like one of those prophets you've heard about long ago. This is the ultimate prophet. This is the man who came to prepare the way for me. There's no one better than him. He's the pinnacle of prophets. Do you see that? Jesus didn't wash his hands of John and say, oh, no, 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 you're doubting me, so now you're dead to me. He didn't say, you've got no part of me. He didn't say, this man's a cast-off. No, he describes him as a wonderful prophet. And that's significant. Listen, it's okay to have doubts. I need to hear this this morning. And I think maybe some of you guys need to hear this this morning especially if you've been in church for a long time or you grew up in a Christian family, you need to hear that it's okay to have questions, it's okay to have doubts. If you don't believe me, read the book of Psalms in the Bible. I don't don't have time to go into it today, but all over the book of Psalms, Psalm 10, Psalm 13, Psalm 74, loads and loads of places we see the writers of the Psalms just crying out to God saying, God, what on earth are you doing? I'm doubting you. God's not going to kick you out of heaven if you have a wobble and start asking questions, all right? Hear that this morning. But, but also hear this because this is important. Jesus says something else, okay? Because having doubts is okay, but Jesus adds another step to it, okay? Verse 11, read it with me. He says, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Oh, that worked out well, didn't it? That popped at the right time. What's Jesus saying in that? See, Jesus is saying, John is brilliant. He was a prophet. He was used for a purpose. God was clearly on him, but he missed the point. John the Baptist missed the point. John's doubts and hesitations here show that he was a great man, but he wasn't yet in the kingdom because he missed the point. He missed the king. He missed Jesus. He was unclear about Jesus' identity. Because Jesus is saying, you can be as great as you want. You can be this amazing prophet, but if you miss me, 
you miss the kingdom. But these sinners, these tax collectors, these prostitutes, these outcasts, they see it. They recognize me. They know my identity. They know that the one that they need is Jesus. Listen, Jesus was saying that in your doubts, in your questions, in your discouragements, you come to Jesus. That's what he's saying. Come to him. Lean on him. You remain in faith. It's okay to have questions, but you bring those questions to Jesus. James talks about this in the, in the Bible, James 1.5. If anyone lacks wisdom, what should you do? You should ask God who gives graciously. Listen, shout in frustration, question everything, lament like we see in the Psalms, get frustrated, but come back to Jesus if you've got doubts. Come back to Jesus with your questions. He's a starting point. Because even the least of people in the kingdom of heaven are better than John who missed the point. Don't miss the point. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss the king. That's the final bit of advice he gives on dealing with doubts. Remain in faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Listen, I really believe this. Our doubts can become stepping stones to unshakable faith. All right, you can tweet that, stick it on your Instagram profile, okay? Our doubts can become stepping stones to unshakable faith, but in that we need to bring our doubts to Jesus. Those moments that we have where we question things, they can be the stepping stones to amazing, unshakable faith as long as we go to Jesus. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. As we work for our doubts and our questions, we do that by plugging into Jesus. Work it out through Jesus. If I could get my bands back up, that would be great. Um, listen, as we keep our eyes on the King, as I've said, our doubts can lead to unshakable faith. There's a famous old hymn, I'm just going to stick it on the screen behind us. It says this it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let me change it up a little bit, all right? Turn your eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and your doubts and your questions will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Listen, bring your tough times to Jesus. Bring your fears and your anxieties to Jesus. Bring your family members, your relationships, your work situations, your unemployment status, your refugee status. Bring all those things to Jesus and look what he'll do. Remain in faith. Remain in faith. That's so important. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Listen, I think that's a perfect way to end this morning by fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're going to do something that Jesus commands us to do in the Bible. We're going to break bread together. And Jesus tells us to break bread to remember him. We do it in memory of him. We do it to fix our eyes on him. So we're going to do that in a minute as the band play. Just to say, if you're not a Christian here this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is the one part of the morning we say, actually, you don't need to get involved in. Okay? If you love Jesus, um, come and have bread and wine. If you're not a Christian, just enjoy the music. That's totally fine. But, but there's an invitation here. See, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself a believer, you can fix your eyes on Jesus this morning. 
You can come in your questions, in your doubts, and you can have a relationship with Jesus this morning. And if you do that, I'd love to chat to you. I'd love to break bread with you. What an amazing way to start your journey with God by breaking bread. So if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, please just come forward and chat to me. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to break bread with you. Okay, so I'm going to pray in a second. Then we've got bread and wine upstairs, downstairs at each side. Please go and grab some bread and wine. Get into small groups and pray together as you have the bread and wine. If you wouldn't call yourself a believer, come and speak to me. I'd love to pray with you. Let's stand, guys. I'm going to pray. Wow, Lord, I thank you for this morning, Lord. What an amazing morning. God, I thank you that all of this, all of everything we've seen this morning comes from a living God, Lord. We don't come to an idol or a statue or a religion. We come to a living God who is in our midst. I thank you so much for that, Lord. And I want to pray this morning as we, as we take this bread and wine, would we fix our eyes on you, Lord, because we know that we can trust you. We know that even in spite of our doubts and our questions, we can come to you and fix our eyes on you and remain in faith, Lord. I want to just ask, would this church be a church that stands firm in faith, Lord? Would we be known as people with unshakable faith, Lord? I want to pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't know you, Lord. Would you just speak to them right now? Would you just capture hearts right now, Lord? We pray, would you just, just reveal yourself to people this morning? We want to see people turn and start a relationship with you, Lord, because that's the most amazing way you live. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your amazing sacrifice for us, and we remember it this morning through bread and wine. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come forward, guys. Grab some bread and wine.